You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 65, November 29th, 2022. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. This is Zarek Pearson. I'm the CIO for Five Guys, and you're listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Cook it up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back to another episode of The Tech Chef, where we talk to experts in the industry who can offer advice and guidance on how you can successfully integrate technology into your hospitality business. This is your host, Skip Kimple, and we use this show to discuss the different types of tools that are available and the pros and cons of each one so that you can make the best choice for your needs. Our guests come from a variety of backgrounds, including IT and hospitality professionals, as well as entrepreneurs and celebrities who have successfully used technology to build their businesses. We also cover topics like data warehousing, digital marketing, customer loyalty programs, automation tools, trending technology, and more. You'll learn practical strategies that you can use to increase efficiency, improve communication, and optimize operations. We strive to provide valuable insight that will help you make smarter decisions and increase your profits. With the Tech Chef, you'll never miss a beat. Join us every week as we explore how technology can help you take your business to the next level. Let's get cooking. I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend last week, and hopefully you were able to get some extra time off to spend with your friends and family. I know in our industries, that may have been your busiest time, and that may not have been possible. For those of you lucky ones out there that did have time off, now it is go time to prepare for Christmas and the holidays next month. Since we last spoke, I attended the Digital Signage Experience along with the Restaurant Finance and Development Conference out in Las Vegas. RFDC was probably one of the best showing of operators at any one event in a very long time. Lots of takeaways from that event and excellent networking at the beautiful Wynn Hotel. While I was there... I was able to sit down with a good friend of mine and talk about what it looks like to run a restaurant chain that is heavily franchised, the do's and don'ts of successful tech stack, and how to properly get the buy-in for procuring and deploying new technology. Today, I am honored to have Zarek Pearson, the Chief Information Officer for Five Guys Enterprises, a global company that operates more than 1,700 franchise and company-operated restaurants domestically and internationally. Zarek is responsible for developing and implementing information technology initiatives across the enterprise. Having been born in the restaurant industry, Zarek has been involved in restaurant operations for almost 25 years. Prior to his time with Five Guys, Zarek held the position of the Vice President of Information Technology with a publicly traded Washington, D.C.-based company. While there, Zarek managed all IT initiatives bridging the gap between IT, finance, and operations. Zarek is a board member of the IFBTA and the RTN, 
and various other industry-specific IT organizations. I know you've all been waiting to hear from him, and here he is. Joining me today, we have the CIO at Five Guys Enterprises, Mr. Zarek Pearson. And we are here at the uh, Restaurant Finance and Development Conference in Las Vegas. It's a big show this year, actually. It is huge. I'm surprised how many people here. I heard it was oversold this year. Everyone's eager to get out, and folks are looking to invest money. Real estate's where you go, and restaurants, pretty good real estate. Well, you can't beat that. (laughs) You know, right before uh, you came on to interview, I played a little clip of uh, um, something I found on your YouTube channel with, it talks about your, kind of your employee recognition videos. And I absolutely love that. You can just sense the pride of their job, the energy behind what they do, and the the respect for the brand and the culture. And that's pretty impressive to combine that with a great quality food product. Mm. How has Five Guys over the years accomplished that? We execute burgers, fries, and drinks, and we do it well, right? We stick to what we know, um, flawless execution, and it's truly a family company. Um, the culture permeates through everything that we do, down to our employees and the food. And it's just a great brand, and I'm happy to be a part. That's awesome. How long have you been with the company? Um, I've been there for 12 years. And 12 years ago, let's see, how many units did they have back then? The day I started, Unit 601 opened. 601, okay, that's a pretty, pretty good number. And where are you at now? We're just north of 1,700. 1,700, wow, that's a big growth in 12 years. That's, that's impressive. And what percentage is franchise versus corporate? We are about one-third corporate, two-thirds franchise in the U.S., and internationally, it's, it's a mix. Some, some corporate-owned, some uh, uh, franchisees, and some joint, joint partnerships. Great. Well, so tomorrow morning is going to be interesting, too, just to take a little sidetrack here for a second. We're speaking tomorrow at the—we're uh, doing the Food Service Technology Boot Camp. And I know this is the first one you're doing. I think I'm covering the front-of-house technology. Which one did you get assigned with? I'm doing the management portion. Management portion. That's a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll enjoy that. So um, hopefully those that are listening to the show— um, this event will have already have passed, but uh, at future events, make sure you look for that uh, food service technology boot camp. Um, as it is, it's pretty exciting. You can get some certification and uh, you can get it on the spot. We'll, they actually test you and you can walk on out, out of there a smarter uh, operator, just knowing a little bit more about technology. So let's get back to five guys. Um, it's funny. I was thinking a few years ago, I was working for, gosh, I was probably Anthony's Cold Fire Pizza at the time. And we were at FS Tech, and we were on a panel together, and we were talking about technology stacks. And I was looking, we had very different opinions about technology stacks because I was looking at it from a 60-unit perspective, and you were looking at it at a much larger perspective. Uh, So we had some good banter going back and forth, which I love. I mean, because what we were talking about applies to both sides of the fence. What does your current technology stack kind of look like? Um, for partners, I mean, our, our stack itself is fairly straightforward for most in the industry. From a partnership standpoint, we have PAR for point of sale domestically. Um, we use Micros up in Canada, and then we have NCR everywhere outside of North America. Okay, that's, that brings up some very interesting questions. And <clears throat> I, I hate to use this word, the F word on the show, but let's talk about franchisees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you have the, all these different POS systems. How is your relationship with the franchisees? And that's why I had you on the show, because I really wanted to have this discussion about the struggles of 
running technology in a franchised environment. I've heard horror stories and I've heard individuals that really have aligned with their franchisee to make it so it's an easy process. But how do you deal with all those different technologies? You just talked about three different POS systems. How do you normalize all that data? So we have systems that take it all and report it in the proper currency for whichever country you're in and want to view that data, right? There are systems, there's um, services we use that give us the exchange rates daily, right? The Wanda system. So you take it, you normalize it, you convert it. Everyone can see the data um, in the currency that matters most to them. As far as the franchisee relationship, I, I think our model is fantastic. We partnered with our franchisees and they've partnered with us in almost everything. So every decision of relevance for the brand, they're absolutely a part of and they always have a seat at the table. All the documentation, all the choices, all the pricing, you name it, they're very much a part of that process. I know a host of brands have what they call a steering committee. Um, ours is a little bit different. They're truly a task force, right? Mm -hmm. So anything we're looking at, they see the contracts, the agreements, you name it. They're very much a part of that, that process and selecting that product that works for the brand and for everyone involved, including the operators. So you've got the buy-in upfront from these, from these franchisees, because are, are they drive, the ones driving the decision or are you bringing recommendations to the table? How does that whole dynamic work? All of the above, actually. Some things they bring to us, some we drive to them, and in, in other instances, someone, a consultant or something will mention something. But we all look at it at the same time, in the same way, we normalize our values, what works for us, but everyone's in agreement. So yes, there's buy-in from the get-go because oftentimes they are driving that choice or driving the product we're looking at. Now, it doesn't sound like you have a mandated tech stack for your franchisees. We do. Oh, you do? Our tech stack is mandated. So okay. when I mentioned the multiple point of sales before, they are across different countries, mm -hmm. right? And so there's reasons why those decisions were made. But for the most part, our tech stack is, is mandated. It has to be carefully controlled. Was it always that way when you joined? Yes, it okay. was. Yeah, Five Guys has never gone the other way. Okay, because you know, you've heard all the horror stories yeah. too. I spoke to a national concept a few years ago that had 17. Wow. And just trying to get a, a daily sales report of the prior day's sales was an incredible lift for them. Well, and considering that this industry has no standards, data standards, up until what the Restaurant Technology Network did, mm -hmm. um, until those RTN standards came out, I mean, to this day, I mean, we, we don't have those RTN standards implemented across all systems. A sale means something totally different in mm -hmm. one POS than another POS. Does it include tips? Does it include tax? You know, does it, what is a sale? I mean, at the most basic level, that's really what it comes down to. It's true across products in the same stack, right? Yep. Your front of house, if it's not the same vendor as your back of house, to your point, a sale could be very different, right? What's included? Um, if you have other loyalty programs, all those types of things, you're right. A sale can be very different. And you have to find, you have to define your data dictionary early for all involved, because even for your accounting and finance function, right, your AR function, mm -hmm. sales can be very different for yep. everyone. So obviously there's quite a few CIOs, CTOs out there right now that unfortunately they probably do not have a standardized tech stack just because due to previous relationships, previous contracts signed with, with franchisees. What are your suggestions for them to kind of get, their, get things under control without causing too much havoc within the organization? You start with a plan, right? What, if you want to standardize that stack, why? If everyone gets on board with that mission, it becomes pretty easy. 
But first look at why you're doing what you're doing. I understand standardizing that stack. We have to support it, right? And then in IT, problems arise, right? Just in integrations, applications, updates, you name it. So the fewer those you have to support, the better and more streamlined you can be in operations and use that time for what's coming next, upgrades, those types of things. Figuring out a plan, understanding why you're doing it, and getting buy-in on that plan before you do anything is critical. Now, uh, do you supply support for your franchisees? Do they call into corporate if they have a problem? Generally, we try to use a vendor for that, right? To support the product that we choose. We are very lean as an organization, especially my department on the IT side. So where we can, we try to use direct support from our vendors where possible. If not, there are some cases where they contact corporate for some products. It just depends on the vendor and what their service offerings are. They're all different. Now, some organizations I've seen that are franchised, they sometimes give the franchisee the option of maybe two different back-of-house packages, for instance. Is that something in your scenario as well, or they do not have a choice? No, it's, it's all fairly well set. Okay. There are things you have choices on, and all of these things integrate nowadays. So with API, it's, it's kind of made um, every application speak to every other. Not always the easiest path to go, but there are options. But for the most part, the tech stack is fully mandated. Okay. Let's talk to the, about the companies out there right now that are thinking about that franchisee model. They've been corporate up to now, but they want to expand, and they think that franchise, franchising their organization is the best way to go. From an IT perspective, where, where do you start? I mean, do you create a kit? Uh, are there, like you said, maybe options to that kit where they can opt out of certain things? How does... How does a operator determine how to really go down that path? You have to understand where your quick wins and your easier lifts are as far as that. Um, Any IT change is almost always fairly painful, right? You're always better by the end. But going into most significant IT problems, IT projects, there's a pain point somewhere in the middle. So you, you prepare everyone, right? So they're all duly informed. You manage the expectations and work through it. Um, but you also take it one step at a time, right? Changing your point of sale, your back office, your online ordering, all these different things in one fell swoop can be tough and painful mm-hmm. if it's not stable. So you want to make sure whatever you do every step of the way, you have a stable environment. Otherwise, chaos ensues and folks get very unhappy. Well, before you started this interview, I, you asked how I liked on the consulting side. And the one thing I said is, I don't have to deal with change management and politics, yeah. which, which is an awesome thing, yeah. which leads me to the question. So when you do change out technology, you know, how do you deal with training and the change management process uh, when you look at a new technology? Do you have a whole team that goes out to all the franchisee locations? How does, what does that look like? It depends on the project, right? Some, we just send out notices. Some, there's webinars. Some are calls. Some are in person. It just depends because um, some projects are bigger lifts than others. So we've, we've done them all and we'll continue to do them all depending on the project. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to be more hands-on than most um, and offer more help, I think, than most in the industry. I think my team, my staff, they're very good at what they do. Um, but the franchisees always appreciate the training. We also make sure we engage our operations team, right? So they're advocates for whatever we're doing and they're duly trained as well, right? Even for our back office product, right? Our our operations team has regional subject matter experts that we support and continually train to support the franchisees and what they're doing. Interesting. 
Now, you don't have to speak from a Five Guys perspective, but I've seen this with other franchisees where they have they charge like a technology fee. Have you seen that um, across other restaurant operators out there where they, you know, they'll charge a fee to support those technology initiatives that are possibly forthcoming or possibly pay for some licensing if it's more a consolidated product that comes that sits on the corporate level, but is really supplying services back down to the mm-hmm. franchisees? There's... Um a few applications or services that manage franchising, right? Um, I think um, I think it might be Fran Connect is one that has an application suite for managing. Fran- they strictly manage franchisees and franchisee relationships. I believe your data says roughly sixty percent of the brands now, and this was as of twenty twenty, have a technology fee, um, and those that don't is forthcoming. Just because the tech stack is growing, you're bolting on more and more things. And it's tough to know where to go for support for the different products if you're not contacting one help desk. So in order, again, for us, the goal is to keep our folks focused on, on the food, the food quality, the, the relationship, the experience, the operations. We try to take that headache away from them. And that's one of those things I think a franchisee or a technology fee can do, right? Standardizes the payments, who you're paying, what you're paying. So I do see the benefit for it. That's not something that we do. Yet we may made down the road, but most of the data in this space is pointing that direction. Mm-hmm. So, if a company is looking to do go down the franchise route, are there any cautionary flags you would give them? Uh, you know, let's say they they have not approached their, you know, they're they're, they're laying out the plans right now in order to franchise. From a technology perspective, what do they need to be considering to make that a successful project? I think keeping everything easy, especially the support, right? What I've seen is that most treat support as an afterthought when it's really one of the first things you should look at. Who's going to support it? How they're going to support it? How is it going to work? What's the response time? Because everything, everything breaks or changes at some point. So it's not if, it's when. And how are you going to handle that? Are you prepared for it? Um, And different vendors do it very, very differently. So understanding who your partners are, digging into those relationships, how that communication will work, those SLAs, service level agreements, I think that's critical for anyone heading down that route, right? It's, it's when the folks that are out there doing the work in the field um, have an issue, how do they get support quickly? Well, and it sounds like another important piece, too, is to have that steering committee. Yeah. Get, get your franchisees heavily involved with those technology decisions so it's a, it becomes a group decision. For us, yes. I think that's one of the, the best things we've ever done. Um, I don't know if that works for every concept. I can't speak to it. I just don't know. But I know where we are. It is the, the Restaurant Technology Task Force is one of the best things we've ever done. We also have other task forces for different parts of the business as well who followed suit. Um, they all came later. But, but our, even just for buy-in, it's great. But the thought leadership they provide, products they bring us, things they look at, their mm-hmm. views on things. Um, you know, I work for the franchisees with all said and done, right? They're, sure. they're owners. They're your customers. They, they, they are my bosses, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's how we treat it. That's how my team approaches it, and it works for us. Interesting. All right, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. So 2023 is right around the corner. As a matter of fact, I'm not quite sure when this show is going to launch. It might actually launch in 2023, so we might already be there. What are you, some of your predictions for 2023? Now, we're sitting at the Restaurant Finance Conference, and I, had, I could have written the synopsis for this conference before it even started. 
And I think we've heard repeating themes over and over again. So I'm going to ask you, you know, what are we going to see from a technology aspect that's going to emerge in 2023? But most importantly, what do restaurants really need to be concentrated on in 2023? So I won't speak for Five Guys specifically because um, I do so much work with RTN and IFBTA, right? Those organizations, I talk to a host of operators. So I have the benefit of having the purview of a host of different concepts. Um, I see a lot of folks starting to focus on the customer relationship piece, right? Knowing their customer, doing more engagement. I know there is a general consensus that a recession's coming or something like a recession. So we'll all be fighting for the same customers. So folks are focused on how do they differentiate themselves and, and drive one more visit from those customers, know those customers, engage those customers. So there's a host of of customer relationship management tools um, and things coming that everyone's starting to invest in and look at that two years ago really were not a thing unless you were a brand that right. did a lot of direct marketing. Um, automation is coming. It's, it's been coming for a while. I've not seen it get the traction. I think it will over the next 12 months, partly driven by labor, but also um, Folks just looking to innovate, right? If, if it helps you scale, it might be a good solution for some brands. So I'm also starting to see a host of brands go cashless, which which surprised me. Because mm -hmm. um, cash is not king anymore, but depending on the market, you see radically different ratios of cash to, to digital, um, depending on the market. But in some of the larger cities, like say the NFL or the football cities, the larger cities, I'm seeing a host of concepts open, either open as cashless or starting to convert because there is a cost to handling cash, mm -hmm. right? And folks are realizing that. It's interesting, though. Um, when we started to see cashless organizations come out during COVID, um, I, I saw a few reports. I believe there's still a law in the book somewhere that says you have to take U.S. currency. You have to take cash. I, I don't know if that's been rewritten or if we're just everybody's just ignoring it and, you know, we just need to change the way we do business, but I thought that was interesting. I thought the same. Um, I thought the law was the same as you thought, right? That you had to take take physical currency. But I am seeing pure cashless restaurants. I've been yeah. to, to three in the last, what, month. Yep. So I know they exist. Um, none of them were local for me, so maybe it's something they're addressing locally through local legislation, but I had the same understanding that you did going into that one. Well, I don't think anybody's really pushing the subject matter right now, unless the government feels like all of a sudden the U.S. dollar is, is tanking so bad that they need to push cash again. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly with the uh, uh, the crypto market right now, uh, I don't think that there's any concern that the cryptocurrency is going to take <laughs> over the U.S. economy. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. We are seeing, um, at least when as you read, there's consolidation happening among all the vendors in our space, right? Mm -hmm. Which has been very interesting. Um, I liken it to uh, us rebuilding cable, right? Once APIs came out, the legacy guys that had point of sale back office, had the hardware, had the software all in the one-stop shop, they were king. And then with APIs and sort of easier lift integrations, you could break up that stack and choose different guys for hardware, software, back office. Um, and you could choose best of breed for each. And now what you're seeing is all those guys who are breast of breed at one are now trying to add, either through a new division or through an acquisition, yep. add those others trying to become that one-stop shop again. And we are slowly rebuilding cable, 
right? Yeah. Where through the streaming services, it seems to be very much the same thing. Every conference we go to, you continue to see these murders happening, which is it's fascinating, quite honestly. It's fascinating. It, it gets concerning and problematic when you have two vendors for a service and now they each offer the service the other offers hmm. because they're less keen to work together. So what you are seeing are relationships changing among, changing among vendors, which in turn changes your relationship with those vendors as a customer. Right? If you're using two or three guys and now each of them offers the same services as the other two, is there a benefit to going to one? Yeah. Right? Even though this, they're best to breed in one and maybe not some of those other services, there's an ease of lift with integration. So it'll be interesting to see how the host of acquisitions over the last 12 months, 18 months shake out mm -hmm. and what folks do with the products that they bought. A lot of them commit to keeping it standalone, separate business. I'll always work with these other guys. That's great. But if you're going to say it to a customer, you know, we have these three things now. We, we're a one-stop shop. You got to redesign your interfaces and, and aggregate the data from all those and make them look like one cohesive product. Yeah. So they're stuck in a weird place, right? And we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I'm very curious, like, for instance, the acquisitions that Olo made this last year. Yeah. You know, where, how does that all shake out? Because they have some very interesting products they picked up. And I'm, I, I, I'm looking forward to see how that either works or doesn't work mm -hmm. for the marketplace. Because, um, you know, it's, it's created some excitement. It's also created some animosity amongst, yeah. you know, vendor or operators out there going, hey, we don't, we don't want to be forced into a decision. You know, or we want to have our choice of what's out there. Uh, but yes, the consolidation piece is, is making it a little more difficult. You mentioned the IFBTA and the um, RTN, Restaurant Technology Network. Uh, talk a little bit about, because you're heavily involved with the IFBTA. Mm -hmm. so tell us about what IFBTA is in case somebody's listening to the show that doesn't know what it is. They're an organization for advocacy, advocacy for the restaurant technology space, the operators and the suppliers, right? Building relationships and driving information for all things IT in, in the restaurant and hospitality space. For me, I love the networking aspects of it. I love the knowledge aspects mm -hmm. of it. There are a host of suppliers that are involved in those meetings and relationships, but they're not pushy, but you can get information, right? I like it as a one-stop shop because a lot of folks come to conferences like this for networking. Um, and that drives a lot of conference attending attendance, and it's just networking on the fly, right? You can reach out to X number of operators all the time. Yep. Um, something else that's been interesting is being able to reach out to either IFBTA or other operators, even vendors, about recommendations for things. Oh, so-and-so has the same problem you have. They might be able to help you. Let me connect you guys, right? Um, that's served me very well over the years. But And then them trying to grow the sector as a whole, support the sector as a whole across hospitality with the state-level organizations and those things, I think they're doing fantastic work. So let's switch gears to the uh, RTN, Restaurant Technology Network. Let's standards, about... yeah, standards. Um, they're, they're trying to tackle a very big problem in the industry. And you brought it up earlier, right, that, that across this space, and I mentioned APIs before, but there's no standard integration that's been adopted by most of the suppliers in any one sector, right? An ordering standard or an order standard, how it gets passed among different systems, right? Some of the accounting, finance, loyalty, all these types of records, you name it. Um, a a, they've bitten off a pretty big task, but they're executing it very, very well. I like the work that's happened there. I'm happy to be involved with it, but I know there's more work to do and more coming. Yeah. But it's work that's needed. Um, 
Now what's needed is for the operators to drive suppliers to adopt the standards that have been created to make everyone's lives easier. That's interesting because we are going to start asking in our, in our, um, from the consulting side in our RFP process some questions about if they have standardization into mm -hmm. the uh, RTN standards because eventually that, that's going to be a thing. It, it's going to take a while to get there. But I, I definitely think the players involved from both an operator side and supplier side, we've got the wherewithal to, to see it through the finish line. I really do believe that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they tackle some of the security standards in the mm -hmm. space as well. Yes. Those really haven't been touched yet. It's been primarily operational. Yeah. But I'm excited to see what they do there. Well, Zarek, for some reason, I have a craving for a Five Guys burger right now. By the way, I, I love the fries and, of course, the, the peanuts while I'm waiting for my food, too. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I'm, we're going to have to cut this short, like, right now because I'm starved. <laughs> I swear by the Cajun fries. I love all of our food, but uh, I love those Cajun fries. I'm not trying the Cajun fries. Yeah. You, if you get the fries, try the Cajun fries. Trust me. Where, where have I? happy you did. What rock have I been living under? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Zarek, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to the audience today. Uh, you're, you're well known in the industry, and I really appreciate you sitting down and, and just talking about that whole franchisee model and how you've been able to deal with it and some recommendations for people in the future. Appreciate the invite. Happy to join. And uh, thank you for what you're doing and driving, uh, driving the industry forward. I appreciate it. I got to tell you, Zarek is the calmest person I know, intelligent, thought-provoking, and truly one of those industry leaders that people want to hear from. I am so thankful he took the time to talk to us today. If you would like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. You can always go to the website, skipkimple.com, for all of the archive shows, including the show notes. And you can also hear these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. I am traveling the majority this week, and I have yet to bring you the interview that I promised, which was Lee Gower, CTO of Dutch Brothers, which is a publicly traded company. They have been in the headlines quite a bit lately, so I can't wait to get her on to talk about all the amazing technology she is currently implementing. Beyond that, I also have some very exciting guests that will take us into next year, so it will be a very fun time hanging out with me, the tech chef. This week, we arrive into the month of December. Wow, it really is true. The older you get, the faster time seems to go by. Well, on that note, I want to sincerely thank you for joining me today. And until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Bye.